0: Back, this is the Grinding Gear Podcast. I'm Garrett here as always with Kyle. It's a wonderful Hello. Thursday, a little too wonderful, making me kind of want to go see if I can do this podcast from the outside. Mm. It's a sunny day, I it's the rainy season, I haven't seen the sun in a long time. Kyle, <laughs> <laughs> that's the game and way. It's the older, I get, out the older I get, the more I like being outside. It's true. It's true. The endurance, the out. But, you know, it's also not like stressed, you know, because, you know, you play on your own schedule. You can get up when you want. I can't game for more than an hour straight. But that also means I go have a break and I come back and I keep gaming. So it's all yes, right. You, you know? Yes, it's you can. Right. Yes, it's a lie. That is a bold faced lie. I I streamed until 1 a.m. with you. Oh, uh, that well, like, that, that's Shinria streaming. Was yeah, that, that's streaming. You know, you're here. You've, you've got a job to do. You're, you're doing the doing the project. But, just, I just want to make sure that all the listeners know that you're lying to them. If that is fair. You know, important to keep me honest to the audience. Uh, but, you know, when I'm playing by myself, you know, I, I wander off. I change games often. Sometimes I have two games open at once. My biggest problem right now is I really want to play something like Slay the Spire. So I keep looking at other games that look like Slay the Spire. And then I just go play Slay the Spire because it's better. So there's there's some really fun ones. Uh there's one I'd love to seduce you into playing with me. Uh, if it's like Slay the Spire, it's a deck builder, and I hate deck builders. I know, I know, but they a new co-op one just came out. I believe it's called Across the Obelisk. Let me see if I can grab this name. Roar, uh, a duel of co-op games, but I hate I know. deck builders. I, uh, yeah, Across the Obelisk. They actually just did a big like rebrand with their official launch on Steam. And... You have four characters. It's kind of like Darkest Dungeon in that way. I mean, everything, you know, know, it's a Dark Souls-like. Like, Like, not really, but there's four characters kind of in the lineup as you fight the other characters on the other side, and you can divide up those four characters. Each has their own deck, mini deck that you evolve as you adventure, and you can do it up to four players, which I think would just be really fun. How long does it take to build the deck? Because honestly, that's the thing I hate the most. I just hate, like, oh, time to stop and figure out my deck before I go do the fun thing. Well, I mean, the, the deck building adventure, like the Slay the Spire, is the idea being that you build the deck as you go, like there's very little downtime. You don't load up the game and then say, OK, let me go to my collection and build the deck. And then I got to get. No, the idea is you start with this very standard basic deck. And each time you defeat a wave, a boss or something, you get another card option to put in there. And so you keep building the deck as you adventure. You played the Slay the Spire, right? Oh, <laughs> no, I, I okay. looked at it. I thought it was hideous and learned it was a deck builder. So I stayed away from it. You do slay the spire. You do not build the deck before you start adventuring. You start with the same cards every time and then you put okay. stuff on top of that. If you've ever played uh, like enter the gungeon or any of those rogue lights, I get confused between my rogue like and my road rogue like. But I think you've you played any both of those times. So I think no, you light, got confused light. in saying the word but I think it's L I T like it's, there's it's light a, and like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. No, that, that, that's my own personal problem. I'm just sharing it with everybody. You, you, listen, dude, you, you won me over on one thing that I wasn't interested in playing and it has now consumed most of my life. So, you know, one at a time, one at a time. Okay. Let's, let's finish <laughs> final fantasy 14. And then Um, maybe when I've done everything there is to do in Final Fantasy 14, we we, I'll look at a deck builder. Excellent. Perfect. Great. (laughs) Easy sign up. Yeah. Easy sign up. Dude, if I'm going to if you're going to get me into another thing that's going to consume my life, I honestly would rather get back to tabletop role playing with you. That sounds a little more like something I'd like to get into. I right, we'll talk about that today a little bit too. Yeah, we can talk about it right now if you want. In this week's news. Good, 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 good. Oh, great news, everyone! Shove it. I I believe Wizards of the Coast is shoving D and D editions, but that's about all I know. I, I do not follow D and D closely at all. I love D and D, but I mostly just have you tell me what I should be doing. And then I just go role play. That's how I D&D. Uh, That's fair. You know, I, I... It's a weird space, right? So imagine, well, any game on this planet, right? There's hardcores and there's casuals. And you are in the casual camp. In particular, with me as your DM at times, or, you know, our buddy Ben or whatever, we like to make our own stuff. But there are many people who live inside the products of D&D. And they participate in... Adventurer's League or whatever it's called today. You know, you know, like Friday Night Magic. Like you go down to the magic store, you do a draft, yeah. you have a good time.
1: Yeah. People do app. that with it's D&D. Insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. They go down to the store. There are registered DMs who are handed packets of that night's adventure. They pop them open and they play with the players available to them. So addition rollouts, changes, that sort of stuff heavily affects that core player base. And you may be aware of this. D&D is made to make money. I may not like that factoid, but D&D exists by Wizards of the Coast to produce cash. And they have to keep producing it. So one of the big problems in the past, throughout are all D&D additions, is they have worked themselves into corners constantly. So they do additions, you know, advanced D&D 2.0. Eventually it became so bloated or so broken and so hard to track that they released third edition, hoping to balance things again, but supplementary books keep coming out. The company needs to keep forcing out new books. Unearthed Arcana gets a lot of praise, but it's actually one of the main pieces of income for Wizards of the Coast. It's how they say, hey, let's break our game to make this exciting again. We're going to add lots of feats, crazy spells. They become less crazy as time's gone on because they've tried to balance them. But the game works itself into a corner and they launch 4th edition, everybody buys the new core sets again, they make a big surge of money, and then it dwindles off. 5th edition did the same thing. Now, 5th edition has reached a level that D&D has never seen with things like Critical Role and other fabulous shows. There's tons of great streams out there. I won't name them all, but Critical Role is probably the one that everyone's aware of. So they're instead going to live service this game. They have announced that Dungeons & Dragons will not be moving off of 5th edition instead, D&D 5.5, D&D Next. They're calling it all D&D 1. And they're going to rebalance their current books. They've said they're going to develop a virtual tabletop tool that's going to integrate things. And one of the things they announced today is that when you purchase a book, you can get a combo where you get a digital copy of that as well. That'll work inside virtual tops like the one they're building here. Yeah, which are like more and more and more and more and more common, especially deer. I mean, it was becoming really popular before the freaking pandemic came and shut us all down yeah. like and now we're post pandemic so that makes a lot of sense and there's great tools like the foundry or roll 20 where you can buy the book inside their system DD takes a cut but the website you know holds the profits and then it's pre-loaded so like if you wanted to play curse of strahd today your dm could purchase that invite you to the game and they'd already have their maps laid out the tokens on it on hidden layers and they could just kind of play inside this, this game now the problem being that Dungeons and Dragons back in like 2009 had a thing called D&D online not not the MMO you know it was a D&D insider sort of Wait, thing did you see how far how far back was this 2009 okay oh my god wow D&D claimed they were building a virtual tabletop before all the other tabletops took off, and they never completed that project. Mm, Oh, oh, so it never even came out? No. no. Because when I hear just the name of a beloved household game and then online afterwards, all I can think of is uh, Magic the Gathering Online, which is just a dumpster fire. I played the crap out of it because I wanted to play real Magic long before Magic Arena was a thing, but it was bad. I think it's still out, is it? Is it? Are they still? And they still support it. I'll give them credit for that. Like it is jank. Magic the Gathering Arena really impressed me. And so in that sort of way, it's been a lot of years since 2009, right? But there's a chance this might actually happen with Magic the Gathering Arena doing so well. I mean, Magic the Gathering is one of the main sources of income for Wizards of the Coast. And it finances other things like your Hearthstones do for your other Blizzard projects. For, I'm magic pretty sure Harveston is, is the only blizzard project. pod prod, uh, only blizzard anything making money at the moment. Right. So anything happening with D and D often funded by magic, the gathering, which is why art's being reused from that art's gotten really weird over there. I've got my own nitpicks with wizard of the coast. They've been super duper oddball these past two years. In particular, they released an updated monster manual, not exactly the monster manual, but I'll short from this for my own nerdiness. Uh, they release an updated monster book and hit it inside a three pack of books. So the only way you could get the updated rebounds monsters was to buy a three pack. Oh, that's, that's that's cruel. And that to me in a world where I make my own games and I enjoy the game design aspect Made me go. Okay, step back, Blizzard. Or Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> step back, Wizards of the Coast. What are you doing? This is getting a little weird. So their big announcement today is that they have acquired in the past now D and D Beyond, a website people build to used to build characters, and now they're fully embracing a virtual tabletop and they're going to run Dungeons and Dragons like a live service game with updates. You can buy updated books if you want, but everything will be more fluid online in that way. So you know, This was just announced today. I might not be right about everything. So how do you feel about it? Because to me, it's like, it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, it's it's for something that is considered, you know, I, we don't think of like a video game, but if it's the kind of thing that gets regular updates is so much so to the fact where you have to like put out an updated book, but then you do dumb crap, like bundle it in with other books. Like, yeah, why not just treat it like a live service game? Like, what's the point? What is, what is the real point of having an arbitrary reset through an edition when you can just kind of continually sculpt and adjust? There's two sides to it, right? You have, let's use the, the MMO example here. Final Fantasy, something that builds upon itself, keeps its old content as viable as possible, and doesn't throw out everything every expansion, which World of Warcraft tends to do. There's a lot of reset there and it can mean that the new expansion and in this case a D&D edition is extremely exciting for the first year but it starts showing seams and having issues as time goes on. Okay. My problem here initially is just that 5th edition has some issues and those issues will continue because we're not doing the hard reset. 3.5 was an intense theater of the mind game. It didn't really work on a grid and it was very rules lawyery when it came to spells but that led to a lot of creativity much like bender once fired fireballs at the river and made a puff of smoke and that one futurama movie that sort of stuff was viable nowadays we're in a sphere where fireballs can only target creatures and it's up to the dm to break the game and do non kind of canon things to say yeah the, the fireball affects the water like let's role play this a little bit so I'm just sad that they're not going to relaunch and digest all the fabulous advancements that have been made in tabletop gaming over the years since 5th edition launched. There's a lot, a lot of problems, staleness with character creation that they're not going to adapt to. But I absolutely understand 5th edition is the edition. People say, what is Critical Role play? They play 5th edition. Oh, now Critical Role used to play Pathfinder, which is a more hardcore and much more, um, <laughs> uh niche audience, but it allows for more role play in some regards, lots more character customization. But when they went into live streaming, they made the right business choice and did Dungeons and Dragons for its name recognition. Then you had stranger things on the back of that and the fifth edition ball rolled on. Mm, okay. From the outside looking in, what does it matter if the rules are a little stringent and require you to kind of break or bend the rules if you're playing in a group that's totally fine with that in the first place. No problem at all, right? You'll just go on making your own custom rules, your own house rules, and this will not affect you. My my base problem with it is actually one from one I don't really talk about much, it's from accessibility. I find the format of Dungeons and Dragons pre-made editions or adventures, which is one of their primary sales sources, yeah, to be entirely inaccessible as a dyslexic. Their format is terrible. It requires you to remember things from pages and pages ago in order to understand and access the information on this page. And they've continued this format for a long time, so I'm just frankly sad that they're not doing a full reset and exploring new options because other games have done that format better now. Mm. Well, so so- I've never <laughs> successfully run a pre-made adventure just because they're so... <sighs> poorly laid out is one way to say it, but they're, they're just so thick and mm. mired in tradition for how they're formatted. Man. I like, I want to get Ben back from our old, uh, uh this week in blizz a move radio days. Cause my, he, he DM'd my very first experience with tabletop, anything. I'm pretty sure it was a test pre-made adventure. For the Star Wars Edge of the Empire tabletop game, I don't even—I sure. don't even think it was out yet. I think we were because I think because he worked on it, we were in like a test for it. I didn't talk about it at the time because I'm pretty sure we were under NDA. But like, I mean, we're we're talking this is probably close to ten years ago now because it was literally the very first version of that. Um, but it went so damn smooth. So like, I want to—I wonder what because he DM'd it, so I'm curious. Because to me, it seemed like it was a really nice little package that was just like ready to go. And the smaller the adventure, the easier it is to to digest it all, bring it into yourself and then perform it. Uh, One thing, too, is just the wealth of read this block aloud and then process it in real time. That's going to give me a dyslexic trouble. So I'm I'm struggling with this announcement just because own personal preferences. I just want to see them explore something new because I can go play fifth edition. I can go buy your old books. I collect second edition books. And third edition books, because I love them so much. They've moved away from tactic paragraphs. They've moved away from actual monster descriptions. The art has been losing a standard of quality for a long time. I'm not talking about like, you know, that there's bad art in there all the time. But clearly, and just having spoken to artists, they have some pipeline issues. It's a lot of art. And however much money you think Wizards makes, it's not enough to pay good amounts of money for how much art they need. No. And so you have great artists submitting bad art, bad art being a poor phrase for it, but underdeveloped art because they're under a crunch or they're oh, yeah. not being paid enough to make something better. Well, 100 percent is a lot of analogies with what we've heard come out of the gaming industry and concerns there yeah. with, with work practices and overworking your your employees, and these aren't even employees we're talking about. The artists uh, 9.999 repeating times out of 10 are contractors that they, they are not wizards of the coast employees. So, and this is, this is talking very broadly. This is not getting into things like, you know, issues with art direction or pipeline or anything like that. So I do not trust them to make a digital product either. I do not trust wizards of the coast maker of print magic. Now magic arena. It surprised me. I think it's a great system. I love that game. But I do not trust them to make a fully 3D digital tabletop. And if they do, it's going to be like, look, we put in the new packet and they do randomized packs for your miniatures. So you want you want to get like a little dwarf, like they hear well, they have a little dwarf smoking on, a Wizards pipe of the coast owns magic and they did a really good job with arena. So I know it could happen. It, it could, could happen, happen. But I think they've learned a lot in the last decade. But there's mark my words. There's going to be a hey, you want to get the dwarf with a pipe Buy the dwarf. Booster pack, and you might get that exact one you're looking for, but it comes with three kobolds you already have. Crash your kobolds in and burn them into uh, to matter, uh, planetary, blah, 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 and then use your gold coins. It's just, it's going to be atrocious. <laughs> it's going to be hideous. <laughs> There's a, a devil's advocate part of my brain that's like, if it makes it more accessible to people who would just never interface with this, never have a tabletop playing experience in the first place because they're too put off by the theater of the mind. Maybe it's not so bad, but also again, as you said, really nothing's stopping you from just holding on to your physical media and playing whatever edition you prefer. And then they don't make money off me. I totally totally understand this. Speaking of making money. (laughs) I I think this looks fine. I guess there's also a survey thing going around, but yeah, let's talk about Diablo four um i guess there was an an official update from the team uh i i don't follow the official site closely at all and i don't really follow any diablo content creators outside of bloodshed because i just think bloodshed's a red dude but um not that closely um but just a couple hours ago headlines started popping up about all kinds of new diablo 4 stuff uh thanks to a developer update and uh yeah it's gonna have going to have some season passes that sound a whole lot like battle passes. Kyle uh-huh. Diablo four is going to have battle passes before we get into details. What is your gut reaction to that? So when here's the storm got put into maintenance mode, that same two week period, they announced a new season for Diablo three and everyone went, why, why would you do this? Well, it's because Blizzard views Diablo as an active franchise that needs attention, love, love. Uh, content in order to encourage people to be excited about Diablo 4. So Diablo 3 already has a season. It already gets content in a seasonal structure. So I know they can do this in a good way. My concern would be how much are they going to speed that up? Is, are we talking like mobile seasons that are like six weeks long? And unless you cough up the cash... You will not see those rewards at the end. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's interesting. So I I barely have digested this. Like like we we sped read it when we as soon as we turned the stream on. People were like, "Do you love forum?" We're like, "What? What happened?" I, it, apparently, all this dropped while I was eating lunch before we came back to uh, to prep the show and go. Um, but yeah, it's so they're what they're talking about. Based to me, it looks like a battle pass and a lot of the headlines a lot of the different whether it's you know your polygon's or I'm I'm looking at a, a article here from PC Gamer a lot of them are kind of hanging this on like hey they really want you to know that you're not going to be buying in-game power <laughs> you're just going to be getting cosmetics um and it looks like from everything detailed here that is true i mean we'll see when the final product actually ships right and but it's it's interesting because Like, they had to know this was... Like, I think we're all on edge after Diablo Immortal. You know, except, you know, that dude that's, like, you know, happily threw $100,000 at the game. But I think most of us are concerned about Diablo 4's business model after Immortal launched and was extremely... uh, What's Predatory, I guess is the, the word I would use. Right, right. And I'm not... I'm not calling any developers... Liars, because they are communicating the information that they themselves have. I am concerned about Blizzard Activision being liars, that you can't buy power. And power comes in some mysterious ways these days. Diablo Immortals purchase system with the riffs was a loot box, but you got an activity. It's like when you go to Las Vegas and they have an arcade inside the casino for the kids. Yeah, you don't get real money, you get a plushie at the end, but we're still gambling. Yes. Yes. So th- 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 I'm going to go through some of the technical stuff here. They said season passes will offer cosmetic items and premium currency along both free and paid reward tracks. Cosmetics. Co- there's a lot of weight on the word cosmetic in that line there. Sure. And these being quoted here. Uh for product product director. Yes. Egan clark then they said boosters that accelerate progress through the season will also be up for grabs in the pass, but because they impact gameplay they will only be on the free track they don't okay. say exactly what it's boosting i'm gonna assume something like xp right yeah progress through it yeah yeah um and then they also say that while players can purchase season pass tiers directly, doing so will not speed up access to season boosts because they're also tied to progress milestones. That's a little that's a little nebulous. Yeah, because we don't really know if they're talking about an XP system or a currency system yet. Well, yeah, they're saying that there's currency that you earn um, in the pass itself, and then you can go spend that currency in an item shop that's going to be a part of Diablo Four. But in the same update, it is then emphasized again by whoever wrote this up at Blizzard that everything offered for sale is strictly cosmetic. So it looks like you're, you're buying transmogs with a premium right. currency it, that you grind out of a battle pass like system. What we saw out of the leaks that were, I think, late last week, horse armor and that sort of thing. Like you're going to be riding a mountain parts of this open world. Kyle, you, remember, you, all upgraded. Uh, you remember the last time we were mad about horse armor? Was I mad? Are you talking about Skyrim? I'm talking about Oblivion. Oblivion Elder Scrolls? Wasn't it Oblivion where everyone was mad about the horse armor, or was that Skyrim? Oh, was not that long ago? I'm pretty sure it was Skyrim. Oblivion, horse, armor. <laughs> yeah, it was Oblivion. Oblivion <laughs> at horse armor. It was $2.50, and people were furious. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> There are certain games I don't digest news for, and Oblivion being my favorite Elder Scrolls game is not one that I've thought to mod or even mess with. That's interesting that it was Oblivion time period and that that price point. I guess it was pretty new. The whole
1: a in-game. Lot. I, so I thing. I
0: didn't say this is a. I honestly don't remember. There's a lot of folks in the chat saying this is like it's a it's historic because it's the first paid cosmetic. DLC in any really game plays Oblivion's horse armor. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So here's the truth of it for me. I could express fear and nervousness about Diablo 4 having any pay to win machinations, but to be perfectly honest, like I want Diablo 4 to be a single player game or a co-op game. No, I want I it be a co-op it to a game. I don't want it to be a single yeah, player. I want to have a rock and story. I want it to be extremely atmospheric. I want to feel the fear that I had for Diablo 2. And I want to see a need to grind. What I really don't want to see out of this game is Diablo 3. I do not want to beat it on my first playthrough, if you will. I I want to hit walls, go, oh, crap, I suck. Go out into the open world, farm, 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 and cross that next barrier. That's the action RPG, loot-based RPG that I want to play. I think you're either going to be disappointed because I don't think you make games like that anymore, or you're going to have to jack your difficulty up from the onset to have that experience, which some games are okay with. There are games that are well-designed with higher difficulties. There are also games that are terribly designed with higher difficulties and it's just percent based. There's no tactical level to it. So I I hope they're taking all that into account because it can be a great game and have these things on top because there's going to be hardcores like you got to foster a streaming community, a news community. You need to foster long term hardcore players. And that's what this sounds like. And if the battle pass is a way to play and get rewards and that boosts things a little confusing in there. But sure, like if that, if all that works, that's great for people who are going to play this all the time. I'm not going to. I want to enter your game. I want to have a hardcore experience for a time. Beat your final boss and say I did it. And if you turn around and say, well, you didn't beat it on this, I'll just go craft something for me. I mean, I, I really, want it to be a I, crafted experience. I really did enjoy Diablo 3, particularly after Reaper of Souls came out. And I, I did enjoy quite a few seasons in a row. But eventually, I need new zones and new monsters. That's what I need. So I would be fine with something more akin to Diablo 3. But you actually update your damn game with new content and not just new armor. Hell yeah, man. I'm, I'm that. I would love to see a monster model a season. I'm sure that's absurd, but we saw, you know, the well, granted, Hero suffered from crunch too, and lots of games suffer from crunch. So maybe not the best example, but like one new monster model a season would be so perfect because you would grow that game. Uh, quarterly, Let, you know, let's like, because I would say I did like three seasons in a row in Diablo Reaper, and I had a great time. And then when that fourth one rolled around, I was like, I'm done. I don't care. <laughs> I've done this before. Yeah, the new tier sets have some cool bonuses, but like that's, at a certain point, that's not enough. At a certain point, I need new content. And so like to me, I look at the greatest failing of Diablo 3 is the fact that they didn't make any more expansions. Well, yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, I would have been for us, for, for <laughs> us, the, the gamer for the populace, you know, I get for like live service and all that. Why they yeah. canned it to work on other things and ended up canning many of those projects. I, too. Just, I look at I look at Destiny uh, and I'm just like, why, why didn't why did Diablo just do that? Like Destiny ate Diablo and then did Diablo better than Diablo in terms of a live service game. They, they made a live service Diablo like better than Diablo did. Well, and you got Path of the Exile, too, which has a lot of build diversity I've never, I've never played it. I realize that it has its uh, its ravenous fan base, but I've never touched a, a, an exile game. It's intensely thick and it plays directly into the cycle of hardcore that Diablo is trying to access here. Mm. Uh, same thing with a lot of like Lost Ark kind of style games. So we might just be aged out in this equation, right? Like my desire for a solo play game that is crafted for my one playthrough experience, that might just be ancient history uh, nothing scared me more than i was watching in my tiny studio apartment back in the day you know Starcast time and chris metzen got up on stage and he and he looked haggard as he often does at announcements you know? <laughs> but, but i can't blame him but he just turned to the camera and he was like take your time with this game soak it in and i was like oh no oh, no, why Why should I take my time, Chris Metzen? Don't, don't, shouldn't I, like, dive in full? And it was because it was too easy. I beat it in a weekend. And then I was expected to go make it harder for myself. Life does that. I, I need <laughs> I need a game to be a journey that you have decided I'm going on. That's why I like Dark Souls. You know, one difficulty. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, okay, Mr. FromSoft, back it up. Exactly. Calm down. Exactly. But I also remember, like, when I bought demon souls from GameStop I was like what the hell is this I, I want to go why, why the hell are you at GameStop well because I was living in that studio apartment and I traded in my old games Oh, you know in 2009 when I you know, uh, rookie you, know move. A, you get more at a pawn this, store dude yeah they, they make there's you there's a take cycle you, here they take your thumbprint but you get more at a pawn shop like what are you doing and now that game's now Demon Souls is like a beloved part of history, and so once you get into the system of the game, much like Path of the Exile or any of these, then you can find enjoyment in it. But sometimes the entry is very difficult. I think you're gonna have to start on harder difficulty, sir. Probably, yeah. Probably. You should probably just yeah crank that crank that shit up as high as it'll let you. So in that case, I heck, it's optimistic of me, but I don't see any problem with what they're saying here.
1: No, and I, I don't he,
0: either. I like battle passes. Um, like I, I, if they are successful with making Diablo four, a, that's what I'm looking for here in, in, in encapsulating live service game, like if they, they succeed with it. If they make a live service game that I do want to return to, I personally would want them to have a battle pass because I like those types of systems. So I'm, I'm totally fine with this. So like to me, it's, it's whatever. If if I want to keep playing this game, I'm glad that they have a battle pass. If I don't want to keep playing this game, it's kind of irrelevant. So, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. But to me, it's it's more the psychology of of the damage that Diablo Immortal has done. I think it's really interesting that they need to get out here and message the Sard to like really explain like, all right, everybody, we want you to understand. We are going to have a battle pass, but we also want you to really understand. Pay very close attention to the words I'm about to say. It's cosmetic only. <laughs> like if you. Maybe if you had just made Immortal a little less predatory, we wouldn't have to try this hard to get our message across. There's no better free-to-play game in my mind than Magic the Gathering. And I just was talking about it earlier how it's both well designed but something I really like about it is that Specifically I only play Arena. Yes, uh, Arena. Otherwise, it's theft if you're doing it for Paper Magic. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, no, that, that's so... Inv- There's no free-to-play to Paper Magic unless you're being gifted or stealing shit. Yeah, well, you can draft and get lucky and maybe walk away with some decent cards. But either way, like Magic the Gathering Arena, each season I pick one deck that I want to make. I, I pick, well, nowadays they want me to, I, I, <laughs> that's my own conspiracy. They love these gold, I hate gold cards, because they want you to make, you know, oh, hey, you just got a gold card with uh, with uh, Swamp and Forest on it. It's like, well, great, now I got to go get both Swamp and Forest. I want to make like a green deck, please, Magic the Gathering. Stop with this duo color thing because you're farming my money. Anyway. I love Duo Color. You're a crazy person. Absolutely. I'm I'm from an older time. I love it because I want each season. I pick one deck and I'm going to make it and I make it with free currency. I've never spent a dime in Magic the Gathering Arena. And that's what I want to see out of this battle pass. Like if I say, hey, I want to play Barbarian. Let me unlock all the stuff I want for Barbarian. And if you're like, you got to, you got to cash up for, you know, to level up your Necromancer or whatever other classes you're going to have in here. Like, Fine. You've got me. My time my time and money exchange is now much more in your favor, and I will give you money. But Are you talking about a mortal? Let me immortal? maintain yeah. my main character. Are you talking about a mortal? No, no, I'm talking about what? What? No. There's, what? there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no power to unlock with any of this stuff in four. I'm trying no, to understand your I, I just your mean, like, like, dressing up and, like, you know, main. You I know, have my horse that's barbarian-themed or whatever. Oh, you're like, just talking about you get, let me get the cosmetics I want for my pimped-out mane? Exactly. Okay. All right. You can go. You can go absolutely nuts to charge me if I want to pimp out more than one because now I'm in your ecosystem. Now I'm now I'm part of your kingdom and I need to, you know, pay the tithe. I thought you were talking about power. I'm like how Did you not listen to anything I just said? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no. Very. You got, got a little lost in the Magic the Gathering comparison because there's power in that game. Yes. Yes. The, the whole game. I mean, yeah. Card games are kind of inherently pay to win. Like all of them. Yeah. Do at least get something sometimes? Like, it's, it's, it's weird that we uh, pay real money for JPEGs sometimes. It's bothersome. I don't want to think about how much I spent on Hearthstone, so I'm just going to be like, no, it's totally normal, <laughs> Kyle. It's completely normal. Completely. You want to talk some Final Fantasy? Absolutely. We're going to we play that game a lot. F- if we do play that game, uh, which one? There's a, I don't know if you know this, Kyle. There's a lot of Final Fantasies. They've, did, they had to start numbering them. I've been watching my buddy John Jagger play through the older Final Fantasy games on his stream. Here and there, like, you know, I, I come and go. But it is always shocking how much I recognize now having played Final Fantasy XIV. Like, Diablo showed up the other day as a summon. I think he was playing, like, uh, it was kind of crunchy. So I'm going to go with 8 or 9 would be my guess if we're going linear graphics. I don't actually know. Each time I come by, the characters are always different, so I'm having a hard time maintaining a through line. But one of them had a cowboy hat, and I'm pretty sure they summoned Diabolos, who was a boss we fought rather recently. Oh, okay. So you're like, oh, I understood. You're you're Captain America. I understood that reference up in this bit. Exactly, exactly. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun in that way to look back on the history of Final Fantasy and note what was put in Final Fantasy 14 in a way that was non-obtrusive, and I didn't need previous information. Hmm cool. That's cool, man. I one of these days. I'm going to get back to tactics, uh, but I need something to play it no, on. This is my phone. I hate it. I hate it on my phone. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, but I digress. I don't really have enough time for it right now. Anyway, trying to get through my replay of God of war and all that, but, uh, interesting interview with, uh, uh one of the few names you and I actually recognize from the final fantasy development team. Um, Inverse sat down with Yoshi P, and this this uh, article has been getting shared a lot because the headline reads "Final Fantasy producer says the series is struggling." So this is getting all kinds of play, Kyle. So it's getting shared everywhere. Final Fantasy getting is struggling, Kyle. Are you aware that Final Fantasy is struggling? You want everybody you are about to hear two people who haven't really engaged with Final Fantasy until the last year, and it has now consumed their life. Talk about how this game is apparently struggling. <laughs> <laughs> it's super bizarre. Granted, Yoshi P said it. So there's a lot of people listening. Yes. Yes, but it's, it's coming from an interesting place. Like, uh, highly recommend everyone go read the full article. It's not a very long read. You'll be able to get through it. Uh, and, and Yoshi P addresses all kinds of interesting things and trends within the gaming industry. Um, but the meat of this headline, you know, what he said... A quote from the Inverse interview is that in terms of whether Final Fantasy is successfully adapting to industry trends, I believe the series is currently struggling. We're now at a point where we receive a wide variety of requests regarding the direction of our game design. To be honest, it'd be impossible to satisfy all of those requests with a single title. My current impression is that all we can really do is create multiple games and continue creating the best that we can at any given time. And so you and I, you know, we're pretty, we're get, getting a little more well known for streaming Final Fantasy XIV. But it's also worth mentioning that Yoshi P is also now working on the next standalone title, Final Fantasy XVI. Which I have to imagine is pretty stressful. Yes, I would imagine that is the case. You're having to still be lead on a never ending MMO. He even talks about that the, the you know, never-ending. Never-end walking, should we call it that? Is that is that the turn of phrase I could call I, I could play on, Kyle? Is that something I could play with? I'm for it. But now also producing and leading to a degree that new Final Fantasy 16. I'm I'm very curious about that game because it plays into the parts of Final Fantasy XIV I really enjoy, which is the primals, the summons being important. It's more Game of Thrones as everything has been these past five years. Yeah, its but you know when it was still good because that's how I feel about yeah. Final Fantasy XIV and like the way it handles politics. It's like oh, I remember when Game of Thrones was still a good show, and that's what this reminds me of. And Final Fantasy XVI certainly looks that way. And as someone who has never beat a Standalone Final Fantasy game. I played quite a bit of Ten back when it was a new game, but I, I never beat it. Um, I'm really interested in playing Sixteen because of Fourteen. Fourteen has like Fourteen has sold me on Sixteen by way of a lot of different things, but um, the fact that it looks like a more traditional fantasy setting, uh, the Primals, as you mentioned, and also Yoshi P's attachment. Like Yoshi P is now one of these famous game developers that I recognize the name of, and I have a lot of trust in because I like the game. He's currently making. Having a good time with it. Right. And Yoshi P very quickly endeared himself to me while I was doing my own MMO research talking to that same buddy John, you know, about uh, whether or not I should play Final Fantasy 14. They described it as playing through it like Dragon Age, play it like a single player and then worry about the MMO later on, which is something that Yoshi P even gets into. I I've, I've always been kind of scared of that really ever since EA got kind of weird with BioWare like Mass Effect 3 having a built-in multiplayer but you didn't play as Shepard. You played as whatever you had unlocked in their system at that point. So you got to the end game and there was no end game. There was just simply a tagged on multiplayer. And if you played it enough, you like got better endings and weird stuff. I had to grind that a bit to get currency as I remember Mass Effect 3. But this would be Yoshi-P's first Final Fantasy project outside of 14. And I man, I'm outside eavesdropping. Like, I'm really curious about this. I'm really, I want to say morbidly curious, but that puts it in such a negative light. Clearly, over the course of this game and with the A Realm Reborn restructure, Yoshi P had a massive influence on the game. But he's also had a very long-term team. And a lot of Square Enix employees are very long-term compared to how we kind of work in the United States anyway, where there, there's a lot of job hunting and the studios are, are hunting around and trying to get the best people for that project and then people move on. Square Enix has a very in-house kind of employee base. It's led to them producing some real stingers because we've also heard they have a bit of an old boys club where certain members who, are, who have been with the team a very long time get their projects green-lighted and other projects that might be better are left to the side because you're know, not part of that in-crowd. Yeah, yeah, but like, like I mean, what do you think about his his statement of like the series is struggling? Because like, I I, I think know, that's fair. To me, it's it's I get in my own head because like, well, I haven't followed the series very closely, but I will say like nothing about I guess the last one was fifteen really pulled me in. That was the one with the dudes in the car, right? Yeah, the dude at the car. Did you play it? No, they look like a damn pop band. I hated everything visually I saw. Nothing from wrong with that. Out that. No, it looks like the to me that's like the cringiest <laughs> shit about Final Fantasy games is like the the pop band high fashion. I'm like, oh, uh, it says fantasy on it. Where's my armor and monsters? Like, I don't, I don't want to be in a boy band going on a road trip. Now I agree that. It got a little forced with 15. It kind of felt like we ran out of hairstyles, so we had to keep pushing that envelope. I mean, also in that primary trailer was the gas girl in her bikini yellow jacket kind of thing. And you're like, well, okay, well, what are we actually doing here? I guess he was like a prince and became king or Wait, something. which Final Fantasy was that? 15, but like all the advertisements had some girl who was like pumping the gas at the station for their car or something. Uh, but then like you had to watch a movie, I heard also in order to understand 15. There was a movie that came out earlier that had a lot of the lore. Oh, explained. God, this was from Final Fantasy. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at Gas Girl now. And dear God, no, that's not unknown. Like 10 had what's her face in the yellow bikini. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like 10. 10, I will always say, came out at the perfect time. I was an angsty teenager feeling oh, very we were lonely. The perfect there was age. A, for 10. Yeah, yeah. One of these days I'm going to go back like, yeah, like, like I want to be 10. Um, but yeah, I thought this, oh. I thought this character was from a completely different game. I didn't realize it was from, it was from 15. I thought everyone was just wearing all black and looked like they were ready to go to a, a boy band concert. I don't know. No, there's still the trappings of final fantasy, you know, chocobos and moogles and all the things you love. And I, there's a big fight with a behemoth and I'm pretty sure like Titan punches a turtle or something like, you know, if you, well, okay. The, then, then now you have my attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the stuff in 15 existed, Mostly the the best review I heard of it and one of the problems with it is in the end, it came down to a prolonged corridor farm and it wasn't a proper climax for the epic journey you were supposed to be on and becoming an adult and wanting to be king or something like that in the end. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So So, like I said, I'm just trying to explain where I'm coming from as someone like I haven't been interested in like the last few titles. And and I can't really articulate why other than I wasn't really into Final Fantasy. So just aesthetically from the outside looking in, there was nothing in there that really pulled me in. You're a big Kingdom Hearts fan, though, right? I do like Kingdom Hearts, yes. Yeah, and I have to... not played three, though. But I, that I, little I... bit of participation, knowing Mickey and Goofy and Donald, it gives you that in and... Final Fantasy XIV is certainly enough of an... End to I like that you just you ignored game. my clear... The clear reason I ever even tried it in the first place was that it came out when I was in high school and Nightmare Before Christmas was a land you could go visit. Oh, okay. It wasn't the jump mechanics? In, no, okay. it was that and pirates. Like... I was like, oh, there's a game where I can go run around in a 3D nightmare world. Like, let's do it. Let's go. And then okay. I, I ended up liking the game. And one has some of the worst controls of any game I've ever played. But I liked it enough <laughs> to beat it. Um, two's, two was great. Two had, like, modern controls that felt like people who developed it had actually played a video game before. Um, and I really liked two. And one of these days, I'll get to three. But... Nonetheless, for me, it was Final Fantasy 10. I loved the turn base. I went, hell yeah, let's do this. And I think maybe 11 or maybe it was 10.5 or something. It was with Yuna, the Mohawk girl, and I don't remember. Maybe 10.2. Yes, but it was now like half real time. And that's not what I was looking for anymore. Yeah, I had 10.2 as well. I didn't play much of 10.2. I don't even remember why. Who knows? I think it came in a box set eventually. Like 10 and 10.2 was... I think a, they re-released it as like an HD collection... With the, with yeah. the, with the blame, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm 10 like, is like sweet, ten continue is, the story. 10's really high on my list of things I want to go back to and actually beat. Um, because it's like it's, it, it got away from me, but to come back to Yoshi P's comment, I, it, it's, I think the headlines, the headlines, and, and this being shared around, it's, it's a little misleading because what he's talking about is that it, it's, it's almost like a, uh, uh, underhanded compliment. Because he's like, oh, there's just so many people that want so many things that we can't deliver. And it's like almost sounds like like I read this and I go, oh, there's just too many fans that want too many different things from Final Fantasy. And that's to me, that's a good problem to have. Uh, To an extent, I could also read this as corporate is continually pushing the game to be more casual friendly, which is such a bad way to put it. But it's how we kind of communicate it in the gaming sphere. It's an like, oh, this game's it? too casual friendly. Oh, it's not made for hardcore gamers like me. Like, no, it's, just, it's okay if a game's approachable. Uh, It just, how much reiterating or over-explaining does the game have? And that's where it becomes an issue. Like, if you really have to be like, hey, welcome to Final Fantasy. Here's what a Moogle is. And here it is. It's like, I'll get it. Like, just throw me in. That's what Final Fantasy 14 did. Just throw me in and I'll ask enough questions. And Get invested in your world. I don't need to sit through that many text prompts in order to understand why the Moogles blow trumpets. It's just something they do. Just let it happen. <laughs> and that that's how you make the big bucks. I mean, look at someone like Mr. Beast, right? Like the big, big YouTuber extreme, you know, did Minecraft videos, saved up a bunch of money to overtip the pizza delivery people you know. we're gonna if i'm gonna, if i have to explain memes to you you're gonna have to explain uh, wildly popular youtubers i will never watch to me okay well mr beast ran a a minecraft channel and i don't know how they did it exactly but my it seemed like maybe from the outside kind of looking at them they saved up a bunch of money and they ordered pizza and tipped people ten thousand dollars when they delivered the pizza and so you have your Minecraft audience where you go, oh, these people play Minecraft. You have to know Minecraft to understand this. 100,000 views. Getting tipped $10,000 for delivering pizza, you know, they were crying as you would. Like, hell yeah. Like, uh, frick, yeah, like, uh, yeah, you get this amazing thing. It's a life-changing event. And we can all understand what $10,000 being uh, given to you in a tip-based society would feel like we would all be completely overwhelmed. So that video has millions of views, right? So you, money makes it more accessible because we all know what money would feel like. And we all know what how the struggle of doing tip-based work or working a restaurant job or anything like that is it's an extremely relatable thing. So, about millions of views, right? So that's what Final Fantasy is trying to find too, is how can we cater to a larger audience? And so far, you know, not only do you have the, you know, the number on it, which immediately makes Aaron go, oh, shit, like 16. I have to play 16 games to get this. It's the same reason you don't put part one, part two on your YouTube video. It's just bad. I, it's a bad I, idea. I don't know, man. It's like if there's any game where I think you could very quickly suss out that you don't need to play what came before. It, I think it's Final Fantasy. It's like an end joke at this point. But that's we need to get away from that. Do like we? the The fact... Well, yeah. Yeah, because that's how you make more money. That's why, that's why Mr. <laughs> Beast is a millionaire. A I don't think that's what Yoshi P's talking about, though. I don't think, think Yoshi P's <laughs> point here is we need to drop the numbers. <laughs> that's the problem. I think his problem is, is that they're realizing, and to me, me reading between the lines, is like they're realizing through the broad appeal of Final Fantasy XIV just how many different types of gamers enjoy their worlds it's smaller than we think. And I think uh, Josh drive Hayes did an amazing video series, which was actually really surprising. They did a full blown like hour long video interviewing MMO content creators, which as an MMO content creator, I was like, "What? this is for me. This is so weird. I'm watching a how to video on the internet that's like strictly made for me. Because we exist inside their ecosystem like Final Fantasy Fourteen, we think it's bigger than it is. All your friends play Final Fantasy. Everyone you know plays Final Fantasy, so it's a huge part of your life. But from the outside, you know, 10000 dollars is way more referenceable than a Final Fantasy meme to the majority of people. Mm. That's fair. So it's a fantastic uh, video, by the way. It is. It's really good. It uh, I, Hayes makes some great videos. I haven't gone back and seen the views on it. I I'm 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 assuming it does well because everything uh, just right face puts out does well, but that I, w- I remember watching it being like, I've never felt more seen. Like <laughs> this seems so specific for content creators, but I'm sure the video did gangbusters, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that too. It's a longer video on YouTube. Granted, that's kind of the format that YouTube is favoring these days. They want it to be watched like TV. Oh yeah. It's doing great. It's not his million view worst MMO ever star Wars, the old Republic. Uh, it's, it's about 600 uh, K. Rounding up. No, I mean, it it's really yeah, pretty like, pretty good. It's really diving down into the the psychology of creating content and to see those kind of I mean it's it's on the higher end looking at his views here. That's some good stuff. I think there's an immense amount of corporate pressure on Yoshi P to take the success of Final Fantasy 14 and apply it to a standalone Final Fantasy 16 game because the suits, you know, the, the, the investors, which from Squeenix, there's a reason people call it Squeenix because they reference it quickly. There's a lot of people that have been mad with Square Enix's practices in the past. Maybe not the press level of Activision Blizzard recently, but they make some weird calls, NFTs and stuff like that. And now Yoshi P is being tasked with taking... What we love about Final Fantasy Fourteen, applying it to sixteen and making sixteen a successful project for a wider audience. And that's that's scary. And I think I think too, there's a lot on the line for his reputation in that way. You know, certainly as someone who's only just getting to know Yoshi P. You know, I, I love my Ben Broods and my Walt Disney's and, you know, inspirational figures. I really respond to a Chris Metzen leading the way.
1: It's good but to have a be the first figurehead
0: that's also in a place of leadership. So it's easier as an outsider to see the through line. Like, right. oh, And they're going to those... talk about their vision and I see their vision made manifest in the thing I am enjoying. Exactly. And you have those moments of organic relationship where at a fan convention, someone says, hey, can the controller vibrate whenever my cue pops up? And Yoshi-P can be on stage and say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then it's done, you know, for the next patch and whatnot. That sort of stuff just builds a ton of trust. A standalone game is such a different product and without that Final Fantasy team and, you know, his music director that he might have drinks with and, you know, the the, the in crowd. And he talks in this article as well about helping his Final Fantasy XIV avoid burnout. Like that is so important. But in a box product. That can go awry. I think it's fast. I think it's fascinating. Absolutely enthralling. I would even go further. To see what Final Fantasy XIV puts its effort into. Because you go to like a you know, this new summer event that's going on, like camera's very tame, things are using in game emotes, like you know, it's not the production quality isn't rocking, but you do an MSQ quest and there's like mocap stuff going on, and there's music unique to the scene, and the music is tied in. What's going on? It's it's timed out, it's real time. It's it's a very, very great example of nowhere to put your effort. And in that way, I believe Yoshi P. To be an amazing director and an amazing producer and someone that's going to lead an amazing team, but can he do that with you know, corporate breathing down his neck wanting the next big thing because MMOs are way smaller than you think they are yeah yeah it's I've a lot of, a lot of thoughts I mean, you talk about the kind of concerning public like statements or or behavior of scar Enix and now that all of their Western studios have been sold off, a lot of well, some leaders from those studios are popping off talking about how terrible it was working under them. Um, I don't. It it reminds me of a lot of of our thoughts with Blizzard, which is like, hey, we're here, we're rooting for the developers making the games, and we've we're raising big eyebrows at what the the you know parent corporate company is out there doing. Um, it's just. It kind of goes with the territory and just because we've, you know, we're, we're really into a different game from a different studio in a different country. doesn't mean things have changed all that much as a consumer of these, these types of products. So, but you're know, getting back to the, you know, can they have a groundswell for the next standalone Final Fantasy game, especially since it's sharing talent from Final Fantasy 14, the MMO. Uh, all I can give you is my, side of things which is uh, I think they're doing a good job because I don't I, I don't just run for the next Final Fantasy game that's uh, I've never I wouldn't consider myself a Final Fantasy fan unt- really until this year and so 14 has hooks in me and as a result of that looking at 16 bringing in things that I recognize from 14 in freaking gorgeous graphics like those primals look good that world looks pretty like this is the most interested I've ever been in a Santa Final Fantasy game, so well, that's from my perspective, had a long time. From my perspective, they're doing a good job. But uh, go ahead, I'm curious what you what you're thinking there. No, it's a, it's like a deep nostalgia for me, even thinking that way, because Warcraft three. III- to work World of Warcraft, you went, holy crap, it's a ziggurat, let's go, into- it has an inside and there's slime going down and I got to get the key for some reason from inside. And Stratholme's absolutely horrible, but yeah, we got through it, like that experience. So taking Final Fantasy 14 and putting it in the graphics of a single player game is absolutely an intoxicating idea. And it does, even with recent, you know, year-long nostalgia, it works for me. And I'm extremely curious to see what we're doing there. And I like that. And this is where I think he's arguing with the board, right? Because he says, to be honest, it'd be impossible to satisfy all those requests with a single title. My current impression is that we all we can really do is create multiple games and continue creating the best that we can uh, at any given time. So I, I feel, yeah, you can feel it, right? You can see they're like, how's it going to be multiplayer? How can we, How can we get more than one person to purchase this game? And he's just like, oh my God. I'm making a single player game. If you want a multiplayer game, go play Final Fantasy XIV, or I'll make an entirely new game. Don't you know staple on some random random multiplayer. So some friend of a friend says you have to buy this game to play with me so I can unlock the best suit for my final fight. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good point, right? And and in this he even talks about how uh, where's the exact quote? Because you talked about kind of the future of Final Fantasy 14, which like to us, if you've been following, you've already heard something like this, but in this interview itself, he says he wants to keep making sure that Final Fantasy XIV will be finally remembered as uh, by many as a fun game that gave them the best gaming experience, and he also continues saying that he wants to make sure that it will remain in operation for decades to come. And so that goes along those lines, and like I think you and I already kind of know that. You get that vibe from the live letter. You get that vibe anytime there's an interview with Yoshi P about how long he's been working on this game and how long he thinks he'll still be working on it. Um, But yeah, I think it's, you know, who, who, who knows what it's like trying to explain that through line to your bosses in such a massive corporation. And that's the, that's the huge difference. And as they say, a great game, like I agree. Final fantasy. And it's something I said in our recent Shinryu extreme video we put up on the channel Final Fantasy has now transitioned from an MMO RPG to just a co-op game in my brain, like a tactical co-op game. And in that way, I love my house that I'm a part of. I love dressing up because other people are going to be there and see me dressing up. I love improving because other people benefit from my improvements. It has gone so far beyond an MMO game because I want to hang out with people. It is now that experience that I look for with Dungeons & Dragons and Dwarf Game, I forget. I always forget because we just called Dwarf Game in this house, Um, Deep Rock Galactic, or Vermintide, or any of these. It's a journey that we're all doing together. And the references don't matter. Like the fact that it's a Final Fantasy XIV game doesn't matter for your first playthrough. It's great to invest in the deep lore, but when I was in World of Warcraft Legion, I went to the War of a 1000 Roses 10,000 years ago or whatever, I just simply did not care. And I didn't know where I was. And I think I had to read a book to find out what happened in the War of the Ancients. And why I was a demon hunter. Or if demon hunters even existed. Or why I turned into a tree for a few moments. Like, it just made no sense. And so I lost interest. And I and I really gave BFA my big, big go to play it as a tactical RPG uh, co-op experience. But it just didn't stick for me. And it wasn't rewarding that effort I was putting in. So that's that's the short version of you know kind of what's happened over the last year <laughs> for anyone listening who may not be aware. Uh, but I, I, two in this interview, I love his optimism. I just love that he's like, yeah, we won't even know the difference between single player and multiplayer, which means you kind of go, oh, like oh, always online gaming. But hey, shut up, 2000, you know, 13 me. This is the way it goes. We're always online now. Like my phone is always online. It's not a big deal. Unless I turn off all the online because I hand my phone to my son so he can, you know, look at the pictures we took at the park, right? Because he he doesn't accidentally go somewhere. It's fine. I'm fine with that. More so like his, his, uh, his enthusiasm, his optimization. What's the, the, the word that starts with O that's happy? Uh. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Someone will know what I mean. Uh, he's talking about like VR chips. Optimistic. Like that, he, optimistic. Thank you. Uh, I don't uh, think of optimistic as meaning happy. Well, yeah. yeah Assuming well, good outcomes is what I think of from. Optimistic. If you're pessimistic, you are not happy for the most part. You, there might be happy pessimists out there, but you know, I, that's I, that's I guess, I guess, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. But he talks about like VR chips and how that's gonna be a revolutionary game game experience, even going as far to say like, It's been delayed several years because of COVID and the semiconductor shortage. Like he was really looking forward to right around the corner, a VR explosion. Has it been delayed though? Like this, this is where I start to mentally check out. I'm like, that, that, that's fine. Because I have been told for so many years that VR is going to be the next, it's, it's finally VR's year that it's, and it's never come that I'm like, no, it's not, it's never going to be VR's year. Uh, Not for a very long time, if ever. Um, and it's still like, got a lot to fix. Uh, yeah, and uh Facebook just needs to stop because every time I see an image uh advertising anything in meta, I'm like, well, this is artistically bankrupt. Uh this is the well, most hideous thing I've ever looked at. Like <laughs> Yeah, there's also a certain amount of just like reality you gotta expect. Like the, the whole legless thing is just like what? weird. What does legless have to do with VR? Uh, because you know, they got no legs in uh final F- or Oh final F- legless. I, but, I thought you're talking yeah, about leg-less. the elf from Lord of the Rings. Legolas? No. Yeah, okay. Sounded like you said. Legolas. I can see. I can see how that can happen. No. <laughs> like no. You said in in Facebook's VR world, they went legless to avoid the problems that having a lower body suggests in a VR escape. But it makes it sterile and useless and no one wants to participate in it anymore. Uh, my, my issues go so far beyond that. And it's just like the most generic looking, terrible graphics I've ever laid eyes upon. Exactly. I, I honestly, I got a little excited about Alex, uh, the Half-Life game and thinking that might be the future. But it's, it's good. Still a little, it's real it, good, it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. VR is still just it's not accessible enough. Wireless headsets are not powerful enough. Wired headsets no. are too cumbersome all of it's too cost prohibitive and uh, everyone I know that isn't me gets motion sick from them <laughs> so, yeah and I, I certainly do i yeah, certainly do i don't i don't I don't buy it I think v r is cool, but i don't I think we are uh, like eons away from mass adoption I would love to see it I want his optimism though I want to see it i I really I really am disappointed that, you know, the future, well, George Jetson was supposed to be born this year, right? Like the future. Oh God, is that a, I saw that. Why do you care? <laughs> Why does it matter? <laughs> well, this is the weird stuff I, I digest. Yes, online. let's look and then to I go, Hanna-Barbera for realistic depictions of what our future is. Right, yeah, let's, let's, let's go into Hanna-Barbera's future. It'll be, it's a perfect place <laughs> where we abuse animals as toilets and stuff. No, yeah, I, obviously yeah. not the source we should be looking at, but you know there's a lot of excitement at the same time people want big chunky switches like people want to hit a button and it goes boo not touch screens so there's there's feedback issues i honestly i love videos of you know people falling down in vr sets like my, you know my some, really my really um hand wavy thought on this is uh i've never i've heard so much more hype about the steam deck than i ever heard for steams vr that's true we, we just want an expensive Game Boy because millennials have money now, <laughs> and we want to remember the good times. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, I do i I do not play my Switch much, but I love that I haven't. There's like a possibility in my mind. If my it's Switch like having... had decent hardware, I'd play it all the time. Well, yeah, particularly that Pokemon game. It's just for the love of quickly. God, please just just put out a new Switch with with guts from uh, well, the last five years, please. Well, and just just make a Pokemon game with a story. Is it really that hard? These stories make no sense. Like Yoshi P's string string tails over there that should make no sense, but make great sense. And yet Pokemon can't put together like a decent becoming a champion storyline. It's always so convoluted and so confusing. I just have no interest in playing their games anymore. Yeah. Shame yeah that's kind of how i feel about it too but nonetheless it's an interesting interview highly recommend you go read the full thing we didn't get too deep into uh him talking about like chip shortages and the vr stuff beyond what we just scratched the surface of here so highly recommend it over on inverse and a lot of other websites have picked it up and covering it themselves so go give it a read let's uh let's talk about what we're playing All right, time for what we're playing or in th- this this week we're just talking about our main game. We're talking about Final Fantasy 14, Kyle. I should make a different you've been getting bumper. a lot of play recently. Yeah, it's, it's been doing a lot of it uh and um it's really like it's got hooks in me more than it ever has. Um I've been putting a little more like off, like off-stream time into it. I've been enjoying leveling Gladiator. Um but we've just we've done a lot. We're doing more than we can make videos about. So Let's let's talk let's talk about stuff that we haven't beaten to death in a video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little a little extreme perhaps, but yes, yeah. Th- there's so much going on in that game. I am my current project is I am desperately trying to figure out what I'm gonna play in Shadowbringers, and it's been a journey. I did not expect to like Samurai so much. I picked it up on a whim. I was Curious, I saw the cover art and there was a guy with a samurai sword. So I was like, oh, you know, what if I brought a samurai sword to the samurai fight like that? That sounds great. And I just really love the chunkiness, the heaviness of the hits. It's got some style to it. It's a little floaty with the some of the animations as a lot of Final Fantasy animations are. There's not that weight that you associate with hits in something like World of Warcraft, but it had an excellent finisher. So you'd stack up all your various points and then spend them on a big anime style, you know, bend down with your sword in the scabbard and whip it out in a big freaking laser slash. And I loved it and I love Astrologian and I like my Paladin. So I'm trying to decide if I want to play something else in Shadowbringers here. And I could, but anytime there's a solo duty. And I'm a caster, I'm like, oh, this isn't this isn't as thematic as I would like it to be. And anytime there's a cutscene and I whip out my entire Astrologian globe, which is kind of like a dual disc from Yu-Gi-Oh, but kind of just like a big well, astrology set. It's not, <laughs> you know, the, the bad guy's like, very well, shall we battle? And I'm like, here, here's my entire tarot card collection. It doesn't quite hit as well as when I see myself whip out that samurai sword. You want to see um, my magic collection? <laughs> just exactly. It's, like, it just does, it, it's not that weight. And I just love seeing myself a samurai in all the cutscenes. But I love being a healer. The more we've gotten invested in these extreme raids and doing more raiding, I'm seeing what the healers are up to. And I'm like, oh, man, I miss healing. I want to get back to that. I'm going to finish Stormblood as Samurai. But I miss healing. So I'm just trying every class under the sun, and uh, we talked about it a little bit during a break there, but I'll now I'll, not t- I'll cue you in. So in Shadowbringers, they get rid of the role quests, or you, they get rid of your class quests, your job quests, right? So you know you do a paladin thing, you do they're all separate. You do one for each job. In Shadowbringers, they've made it role quest. So as a DPS, you now have this story quest to do. As a tank, you now have this story quest to do, and if you can collect all three. I think it turns into four in Walker. Not entirely sure about What's that. It's the fourth? Range DPS and melee DPS. Oh, they, they split them. the DPS. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, or maybe it's magic DPS and physical DPS. Either way, there's a, there's a split that happens. So if I have all three or four in that case, I can experience the full range of mini stories that will be baked in. And as it's part of the expansion rather than the job, I'm suspecting that the expansion quests, the role quests will be more in tune with what's happening in the story, rather than the job quest, which can be a little hit and miss. And frankly, just kind of get weird at times. Ah, so, so this is, we, so uh, for the, for the podcast only listening audience, uh, when we record this live, we do a little break in the middle. We, we read questions from chat, uh, thank anyone who's, who's donated or signed up for memberships. Uh, and then we usually do the same thing after the show as well, because in case we get anything on the back half of the show, so we don't break the flow of the show. Hi, this is how we make a podcast, everybody. um And one of the super chats we got was like, uh, actually, I'll just read it right here. From Thomas said, "When you get to Endwalker, are you both doing the whole suite of role quests? It's definitely worth it, in my humble opinion." And then, uh, okay, now I remember what this was because there was a bunch of chatter about this in our in our Discord, in the Grinding Gear Discord as well. And so, yeah, I was vaguely aware of this, and then I I forgot. I'm like, "What does role mean? Is that different from job?" And yeah, yeah, okay, so. This is, and it's, and so chat's correcting us. It's four in Shadowbringers and five in Endwalker. So I don't know what it is. What all do I need to get ready? Uh, healer? So I need a healer. Tank. I need a tank. I need a melee DPS. I need a ranged DPS. And what the hell is the fifth? Maybe a magical DPS is then? Is it a is for it, the fifth? Is it a. Magical oh, so magic, physical DPS, and then range physical versus magic. oh, so then they split the ranged. Is that where it is?: Oh yeah, because well, you wouldn't have a magical melee DPS because they're all range, so you don't need that. distinction oh, Okay. yeah. even though yeah. the red mage goes in, he doesn't go in for very long. Okay, yeah, so so very much in the same, you, know, not not saying it right, but that's my project right now as I'm desperately trying to find out what it is I want to play while still loving the two main classes and Paladin being sort of a tertiary third out there. You know, I'm quite, uh, Moonstone X's breakdown here because this makes the most sense to me. Physical melee, physical ranged, magical, tank, and healer. Healing's oh cool. fun. All right. Healing's so, really, really active. Tank, Dark Knight. Healer. I'll probably go Scholar just because I want to see this the, the 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 quests and might as well. I've, i think I'm reading sure. Scholar at this point just because I want to see that Tomberry lore. You get to cover both too because you have your Arcanist summoner, summoner being level at the same time. So there you'd have your magic, dude. Yep. 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 So that'll be my healer. Uh my magical will be my summoner. Then I need a physical melee, physical range. What are your options for physical range besides Bard? Bard shoots arrows. Yes, you have mechanist, machinist, machinist. <laughs> oh, I guess that's physical. Yeah, they're using like guns and stuff. Dude with a gun. Gun uh, or, man. Or, or robots. Eventually, there's a lot more than just the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's it's, DNC? Dancer. A dancer. Dancer's dancer. considered ranged? Yes, dancers throw like glaives, if you oh, will. interesting. Like now I really want to try dancer. with holes in them? Now I really want to try dancer. It's very bouncy. Uh, Your character is literally dancing, and I believe there's even a special mode you can turn on where you dance. Like, you can press your attack buttons without attacking, so you could dance to songs that bards are playing. Oh, that's fantastic. you can get down. You can get down. I've always... Every MMO up until Final Fantasy XIV, I've always started with an archer, so it feels like I should just, you know, do that and get a bard, but that just sounds just so weird. Man, that sounds super unique. I really... I thought I didn't like Archer. I thought I was, you know, sane on that. I could be like, no, Archer, I'm not gonna do you. It's gonna be okay. But then I realized after playing Samurai and Controller, you're actually moving so much and your all your spells, spells, your buttons are instant that you're actually kind of running. And it kind of gives it like a a horseback feeling, you know, like you're really booking it while arching, you know, legolassing around a bit. Uh now, of course. Uh, Final Fantasy can be kind of floaty in some ways. When you're running backwards away from the boss, you fire an arrow in front of you, and then it hits the boss behind you. And there's no like tracer bullet or anything like that going on. Like, you know, sometimes animations don't hold up for what's happening around you. Oh, it doesn't error out if you're not facing the boss. No, yeah, it'll still fire. Like, oh, your, interesting. Your bow will it, that's a fire. Thing. Wow, right? They haven't changed that. Like, as a hunter, you got to be pointing that direction. There's also a lot more channeled casts for Hunters. Um, Yeah. Well, when when you're moving, I haven't played Hunter in WoW in a a while. We get ourselves in trouble when we talk about how WoW currently is, Kyle, because we don't know shit about how WoW currently is. No, we don't. We don't. Well, also, there's some, I mean, now we're just going to get deeply personal for a hot moment. The channel has been growing, and there's a lot of people that heard our descriptions of who we are when we first started the channel, and then there's an abundance of new people who haven't heard me talk about I was a holy priest. So when I say you don't DPS on a healer, I mean like you do not cast holy fire you're all, you're because all, the ta- mana restriction. <laughs> I'm gonna stop in you. You're, all, you're already not explaining it enough. You gotta, yeah, you gotta get the BC in there. You can't say I was a holy yeah. priest. You have to say I was a holy priest in BC. In BC, you just, you just was, need to say I haven't played WoW since BC. That's what you need to say. And even though you have, but not, not as a healer. There's, a, there's that old Family Guy clip of you know Peter shuffling over in his car and all the cans clink. Like that's what. It was like to heal in BC. You were, if it could have been animated, you would have been sitting in a pile of potions just to maintain even a basic level of throughput. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so your magical DPSs are Thaumaturge becomes Black Mage, Arcanist becomes the Scholar and, and the... Summoner. Yep, and the Summoner. So you cover two. That, that, that sounds very economical. Simultaneously. I like and I, I yep. want to see the Scholar lore. So if I'm going to go do the story quest, might as well. I'll just... I'll start with that one. If I if it intrigues me, then I'll I'll go check out the other healers. And then Red Mage, which is honestly something is really, really cool. I'm struggling because you go in for your big attack. You you're kinda like a magical fencer, if you will. And you you build up all these points and eventually you dive in and, and do a bunch of slashes and they're kind of they're literally big Zs, like you do Zoro slashes. I yeah, I was hoping it had more fencing like all the time. And the fact that it's more a range class is where I'm like, eh, not really what I wanted. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side, you do do auto attacks, so you'd be in melee anyway, stabbing in between spells. But as a samurai, going in is such a waitful act. That any time my red mage sort of floats dandily into melee range, I'm like, no, do it. Do it like like you got retro rockets up your ass. Like you're just flying at the thing and then you explode on the scene. I, I, samurai has spoiled me for what is capable with a sword in your hand. Okay. All right. <laughs> and then physical melee, what are you thinking? Well, you're going to be samurai. That's a double. Yeah, so question. I'll be a samurai for that. Um, I don't have a physical melee. I've been slowly working on ninja, but it's way behind. So I could just go another direction. Pugilist, I hear, is good. You know, punching. You could get some punching in there. This yeah. would be kind of your monk class. Mon- isn't monk a class? Oh, it becomes monk, right? Yeah. It becomes yeah, monk. Yeah. yeah Start as pugilist, becomes monk. Oh, right. Reaper. Oh, I forgot Reaper. But we're not considered. allowed to play Reaper yet because it's considered spoilers for Endwalker. You can play it when you get to Shadowbringers. I know the game allows it. it. How could it be spoilers? I don't know. I, I probably well. Actually, I started up the Sage Quest, which is the Endwalker healer, and they talk a lot about Charlie and stuff like. And that's a thing in Endwalker. So you kind of get like lore before you would have it about maybe locations mm. and people. Yeah. Uh Dragoon is also very high on my list. Your, yeah, that's, that's your spear-wielding class, your your harpoony. Astinian is just so cool. He is. It's, it's the it's the first class I've become, well, job, that I've become interested in through playing the game. Like, through just the game in its own right. Like, that's why I want to play it. I want to play Reaper because it looks cool as shit. I, I know nothing of the lore, right? I wanted to yeah. be a summoner because I just wanted to play something different from what I usually play. Uh, I want to play Dark Knight because uh, I love Death Knights, but I hate how they play in World of Warcraft. And Dark Knight's just a, a better Death Knight. Um, but Dragoon is the first class that I'm interested in because of playing Final Fantasy 14 and seeing like the lore of Dragoons within the world, questing alongside characters like Astinian. So that's, Dra- Dragoon's really high on my list. But, oh, Reaper looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah, man, it, it this is a tough choice. It, I love these choices, though. I love making new D anD D characters. Of course, in Final Fantasy, one character can be all the jobs. So the fact that we're shopping around doesn't mean you're back to square one, but it does mean it's quite a bit of grinding. So decisions need to be made. Yeah, yeah, I like ninja enough. I. Yeah, I don't know. I got so spoilered after doing freaking Dark Knight, man, like starting with starting higher level and with a decent amount of abilities going back to do these level one jobs. I'm just like, oh, God, this is this is such a slog. It's also a difference in production. You're going back to a realm yeah, reborn. That's which, fair. Well, I like the story it, of Ninja. I I don't love low level Ninja as far as playing it. I don't think it's all that interesting. I thought the rogue storyline was really cute. I kind of dug it We're running around with uh, what's his uh, handkerchief and, and the rogue story bored the crap out of me until like the final, like three quests. I liked the characters, but it was, it was very one note. It was like, we got to get the thing. Oh, the guards beat us to it. And they just, they just do that like seven times for seven quests or something. I don't know yeah. how many times exactly, but it, to me, the, the rogue quest outstayed it's welcome, but I liked the characters enough and it has a really good ending. But you got super into playing Gladiator, so why why a second tank? I I like tanking, and I didn't like Gunbreaker all that much, and Gladiator sure. scratches a really classic MMO tank itch. It feels like old, janky MMO tanking, and that's something I actually rather enjoy. That it is. Yeah, the sword and board, protect yourself. Yeah. I really liked thematically it. Um, I... I would honestly, I don't know, man, what you do if they're stressful. Well, I would be we curious had, um, to tank for an expansion, but Azumi, you do a good the, job. Azumi, our off tank during uh, Savage, or not Savage. Um, oh, my God. Extreme Shinryu. Extreme Shinryu, thank you, was a paladin, and those abilities look amazing. She looked good out there, yeah, with yeah. the big kind of angel crystal wing defense yeah. thing oh, she that was shit doing. Oh, so cool, man. Like, yeah, I want to I be a bulwark. Like, it's so cool. So yeah, it was just, it, it was me coming off the tanking high. That was Shinryu Extreme being like, what other tanking experiences can I have in this game? So I sure. went, to, went to go work on my Gladiator a little bit. I'm almost up to Paladin. I'm almost done with the intro quest. I want to play a ranged DPS, magical or physical, so I get the full array. So I can see everything that it has to offer. But because we're all stacked on top of each other in Final Fantasy... If you're not familiar with the game, maybe coming from World of Warcraft or just, you know, think about co-op games in general. It's so dangerous to stand anywhere because everything's constantly exploding that we're often stacked unless we're told not to. So the range DPS really aren't chilling at range often. They're right up there with everybody else. So maybe it's not that different of an experience in the first place. It's more about what rotation you have the skills to pull off. I mean if you I'm surprised you haven't been more drawn to it because you like the spell effects of Astrologian so much. The caster spell effects in this game are top notch. Like they're so they're so different especially for you and me coming from World of Warcraft. Like such a different visual language and like hats off to the effects artists on this game. It's they're just so damn pretty. It's totally a problem with the MSQ. Like I just don't want bad guy with sword to be in my face smacking me in a sweater. When I could be with my own sword in armor. Or, you know, sometimes I wear shorts. It's like, maybe maybe I shouldn't reference my barista out but I wear for battle. Sometimes or all the time. Most of the time you're so, wearing clothes from H&M. Yes. Yes. Which always has too big of a line to shop at anyway. But, <laughs> the, it, like, there's a, like, every time, you know, like, it's like, like main character, you know, you're doing the main story quest and Alphen is there and he's like, let's get them. And I pull out my whole disc for my staff like it's just not as thematic and the duties really bother me when i'm basically well, dotting you and running you. terrifying circles you're not circles. gonna run into this in the msq because you're gonna have to level this up through dungeons and side quests but like, what if i do it for so maybe maybe that's what i'll do is i'll i'll continue leveling through Shadowbringers as a class i thematically like the look of for cutscenes, but when we get to raid dungeon content, I'll switch off and experience what a DPS has to offer. Yeah, so it's not, not going to matter, right? Like, it's, you can't go through the MSQ with a ton of jobs anyway. You're, yeah. It's, a, it's great XP, though. It's a great yeah. way to level up. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is, you need to get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> If there's one place in this world I'm not gonna get over myself. That's video games. Let me have my fantasy. <laughs> it's my last bastion of ego that I still have in this world. Oh my god! I wasn't expecting to have such a deep job discussion today. I thought we were gonna talk about like Manderville or 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 even get a little bit back into our first extreme. Because just damn dude, I had so much fun in that Shinryu extreme. Well, I, as you led with, like this is kinda, these are the conversations. I want to, all right, this is a good time. This is, this is where we can have this conversation, right? This is, like, this okay, is something you yeah. probably cut from a video is me going Shinri extreme makes me kind of want to delay shadow bringers. I kind of want to chew on this a little bit longer before we're thrust into a story. I know I'm going to get hooked into and not going to want to stop until I'm done with the ride. Kind of want to go do more extremes. Also, now that I know I got to level up other jobs, I kind of want to do that too before we get into Shadowbringers because everyone I've talked to about these role quests says they are absolutely worth doing, borderline required, even though they are technically not. But we'll drive everybody insane. We will? (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, yeah, okay. So our 4.4 stream was the most viewers we've ever had. But the people that did come out for Shinryu Extreme were stoked about it. That's true. Like stoked. So what I'm trying to, what I'm trying, I'm not making any big proclamations here. This is not an announcement of a delaying shadow bringers. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. Um, this is me working out my feelings into a microphone. Are like you, I was how, just doing with classes and jobs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how, how, bring you, it. how are you feeling about it? Like, do you, is there, has, has, are you experiencing any pause of like, do, do, am I ready to start Shadowbringers? bringers? Don't think about what our good friend Adam is going to DM us on Twitter. Right. If, if we do wait a little bit longer. Well, Adam's also a huge, um, a monster. I didn't have unbeknownst to me, a huge monster hunter aficionado. I had no idea they made like ranking posts on weaponry for wait, Ma- monster Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like, know that. like super into monster. Yeah. 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 No, no, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe if we play Monster Hunter a bit, we can we can satisfy the need for a little bit for, for in particular Adam's Adams desires. But uh, <laughs> I'll say it on the podcast here. <laughs> thank you, Sable. I logged in so I could show up my character and show up my levels of my jobs and I'm being traded items right now in game. So thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I feel left out. I could log um, in, but I, I, I want to keep I want to keep an eye on every on all the recording stuff. So I'm gonna. But, but no, my, my uh, I've it's nothing we can't min-eye level back in time for. My my sort of you know open plan here is I think we we continue the story, but we keep Thursday like a a raid night because I'm just really enjoying the co op nature of the game and getting to explore that things. My only distaste of that using a strong word, but I think it's warranted. I don't want to get accustomed to buttons that don't exist if we were to go back in time. Like, you know, we're doing an extreme, extreme, I won't say any names, we'll keep it spoiler free here, but like, and then I've got this great button at like level 74 Samurai that like really completes my rotation. And then I have to forget about it because we've gone back in time here. Well, depending on how far back we can go, it also might be a good time to work on a different job. That's true. Yeah, we could do different jobs. We could kind of, you know, that'd be a good I place mean, to I explore won't those. If I'm things. tanking. I'm a dark knight, but, you know, you, but you, you, you could do paladin. You could do paladin for like we'd a, a realm reborn real, knight. We'd have to go real far back because I'm not even level 30 yet. Well, yeah, you keep Actually, up. I you don't mean, think there's a level 30 extreme that doesn't exist. I mean, I'd be interested. Like, that, that'd be a fun event for me. Is I've got a level 58 paladin. If you wanted to do some a realm reborn extremes, like, you know, you could let me tank for a night. I'd, I'd, I'd get a kick out of that. That'd, that'd be interesting. I'd be, I'd be horrified to tank in front of you, frankly. I'd be horrified <laughs> super to, nervous. to samurai in front of you. But you know, it's it's all right. It's all right. You know, if if, if someone's going to make fun of me, I hope it's you. You know, it's a good way to think of it. I like that. <laughs> your friends can bust your balls. Strangers on the internet, you tend to take a little more personal. Sure. You know. Sure. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Now, the, These are the struggles of such a, a big game. Like if, if you're still here and you don't play Final Fantasy 14, like welcome to the thickness of an MMO. Like it is, it is intense. The raw amount of activities you have it's, it, in a game like this. It, it it depends on the game too. And like the, that, that intensity, you're only going to notice if you like the game, if the game's clicking for you, if it's of quality. That's true. Um, and, and even then it's something like, over in World of Warcraft, like if you're really just focused on one class, it, it can kind of calm you down. Like I'm now, I'm now like a cat looking at like five laser pointers on the wall, man. Because I like I'm really, really I was already enjoying the game, but now I'm getting really hooked. And now that we've experienced some of the harder content it has to, to throw at us, and I enjoyed it. It was time consuming, but I enjoyed it. And that way, Madness last is like, oh, now I want to do it. I want to go do it, and it's going to consume a lot of my time. And now that I hear about these role quests, that's something I, I want to be prepared for. Um, but I've been really enjoying just maining Dark Knight, which I, I realize I don't have to do, but it's something I've been enjoying. And so I'm, I'm not prepared for these role quests. So I, I agree. Yeah. Tied it back in there I, full circle. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> you want to take some questions before we wrap this up? Let's do that. Uh, I wasn't prepared for the button, though. Where is it? Where is the Q&A? There it is. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. You can send your emails to feedback at startgrindinggear.com or uh, if you are supporting us either on Patreon or YouTube, if you're a YouTube member, it doesn't matter either place, both supports us and both gets you access to the members only channels in our discord. We have a dedicated channel for questions to the hosts there and we are still burning our way through the backlog and having a conversation about probably doing a bonus Q&A episode very soon, um, but keep them coming fire away. Let's get to it. I guess we're going to call this Moogle Mail today because it's all Final Fantasy today. Baggins wrote in and said, I hear you talking about a lot of game genres, but not many JRPGs. You mentioned having played Final Fantasy X before on this very episode, Baggins. But were there any other JRPGs that either of y'all really got into growing up? And I would say no, unless Pokemon counts. It might... Because a JRPG immediately puts me in the mind of farming random spawns, story based game you're trying to get to the end, but you have to be high enough level. So you got to do a little bit of backtracking. That's, you just described Pokemon Red and Blue. Right. And that's how I would describe Final Fantasy X as well. You're going to hit certain barriers. Yep. It's one of the primary complaints with something like uh, Dragon Quest for new players. So, because what was it? Dragon Quest Eleven had like this big explosion. Like it was probably, it was kind of the Elden Ring of, Dragon Quest games. A lot of play, people played it who had never played a Dragon Quest game before. And they had the boss right there in the next room, but they had to go back to the dungeon, farm slimes, and they, they hated it. And they, you know, talked about it on the internet, and the internet told them, that's just how these games are. You're playing the wrong game if you don't like that part. And the first one I ever played of those was Skies of Arcadia as a rental. Oh, shit. There's a, there's a game I have not heard the name of in a long, long time. Yeah, I had to call my friend. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I can't beat this armored boss as like the second boss thing. They're like, what, did you grind? We didn't call it grinding back then. You know, did you? We didn't even know how to say farm. They were like, you got to go back there and keep killing stuff until you're high enough level. And eventually you, you sort of embrace it. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to skip anything. I'm not going to use skipping potions or Zubat deterrence. I need this grind of this cave so when I get to the gym, I can actually defeat them. And I loved Skies of Arcade. I thought for a video game at that time, it was an extremely rich story. I'm sure nowadays it would, you know, fail to hold up in some regards just a pacing. But I loved Grandia 2. Did not have any interest in one, but I thought Grandia 2's boss system was really cool. Uh, as, this is going to be my memory. Uh, so it's very old. Uh, Spoiler alert for (laughs) Grandia (laughs) 2. But there was like a god who got divided into pieces and all the bosses you fought, the majority of bosses you fought, I should say, were pieces of him. So you fought like the lungs of Grandia, the teeth of Grandia, the tongue of Grandia, the mouth of Grandia. And it was always like a personified, like the lungs kind of had two lung sacs, but it was like a tentacle beast and the mouth kind of had a tongue in it, but it was also like a spider but I love that boss system always made me curious about what was around the corner. And I ate up that game Had a really cool pseudo real time initiative system that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I never, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I played that would count as a JRPG. And I don't, I don't think so. I think that was basically it. (laughs) Like I, I they just missed me entirely. Um, cause I went from NES and, and never played like the original final fantasy on there or any of the RPGs that was on there to Genesis and Genesis was all, uh, it's all like action games for me, man. I was a big Sonic kid. Uh, sure. loved like the, uh, the Genesis version of the Ninja Turtles, uh, beat them up, which was hyperstone heist. It was basically turtles in time, but a slightly different game, but same sprites and all that. Um, and then went to N64, and I, that's where I was like, Zelda, GoldenEye, till I die kind of a thing. But at the absolutely. same time as N64 is when I got my first Game Boy, and when Pokemon originally came out, and I was completely obsessed with those games. Like, absolutely completely obsessed. Yeah. I love the original Pokemon. Pro- Pokemon Red is probably the... It might be up there for game I have beat the most times. Like, I just, I just loved it. But I didn't like turn-based combat. It always kind of bugged me. It, it, it didn't click for me. And this was before I understand like the genre of like a turn-based RPG. It, like I didn't have a head for that. And so Pokemon like sneakily got me into it because I was just so into the property. Right. And it was this thing that just like swept over my, my game playing friends at school. And we we all just got into it together. And it was this this big, my first real true communal game experience was happening like simultaneously. It was Pokemon and it was Ocarina of time. And it's like all we wanted to talk about at lunch every day. So that that's, that was that. And then when I finally got a PS2, I think it came with final fantasy 10. And I was, then I was like a little more receptive to it. I was like, Oh, Hey, I I know this from Pokemon. (laughs) It's like a it was Pokemon insanely game. insanely beautiful at which the time. Probably, like, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I, that was, I got that in a uh, spy hunter where the two first games I got with my PS2. And I remember, playing, I remember playing both of them thinking to myself, games will never look better than this. Nope. Nope. You remember the toy story game? I think that was on N64. I didn't, I, I had the, I had the toy story game for Genesis, which was a side scroller. Um, which that had, one was pixel-based, right? It was pixel-based, but they had shading crunchy. to try and make it look 3D, kind of like uh, yeah. like the rotoscoping they did for Mortal Kombat sprites. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah it, it looks like ass now if you go back and look up that Toy Story Genesis game. It looks terrible. It does it not look del- oh, up well. The jumping looks so frustrating, too. We put up with a lot of shit. That, that Aladdin game I played a lot of, and it Wait, was bad. on Genesis? Genesis Aladdin's yeah. great. It was bad, man. I, I, just I could agreed. not get into that. Genesis, uh, Genesis, Aladdin's fantastic. I hated the Super Nintendo one though. My my neighbors had that. I'd go over and play it, and uh, I, I remember thinking the SNES version was terrible, and the Genesis version was wonderful. I loved VR Troopers on Game. What was the big blue, big blue thing Nintendo put, or uh, Sega put out to compete with the Game Boy? And they it, you know had a uh, Game power. Gear. Yeah, I had a Game Gear. Yeah. I had a Game yeah. Gear before I had a Game Boy. VR Troopers on Game Gear was great. I got to play as the bad guys. I didn't know you had a Game Gear too as well. Yeah, you know, like uh, there was a coffee table. I'd put a blanket over. I'd plug it into the wall so I could play it. Oh, the you day. had to. Yeah, I had yeah. the the. It was for me. It was because we'd always get the down to the worked. keys in in the summer, and it was long. It was a long drive, so I had the the cigarette lighter charger for the sure. Game Gear that I'd have to yeah I'd have to sit close enough to it to be plugged in because. I think just chew through batteries, but we're not answering that. We're, we've gotten away from turn-based games. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's about, it's about history. So I would say in JRPG land, I have not done anything modern in a very, very long time. Yeah. I, same. Um, I, I and I'm at a point in my life now where if like I could, I would kind of be down for a turn-based game. That sounds relaxing. Like, you know, I know I said I don't want to buy a Steam Deck, but can I can I play the old Final Fantasies on PC? Could I <laughs> I would love to, a handheld version of turn-based Final Fantasy with buttons. I don't want to play it on my phone. I hate touchscreen controls. I believe so and from what I've seen of streams they come with Speed up some um, like fast forward options because you know you do a lot of walking in those old RPGs. Well, uh, so. If those are emulators, you can do whatever the shit you want. They might be emulators, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I, some I of those remember games, the first time I got an, the first time I got an emulator, I loaded Pokemon on that shit, and I was so stoked that you could speed up the walk speed. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's helpful. It's helpful. I really want to try Dragon Quest Eleven because it got so much praise. Uh, I do not like I don't like uh, Dragon Ball art style at all. It's a oh wait final fantasy 10 is on switch done done i'm gonna order it, that yeah okay it would hold up there yeah, order. yeah. Dude, this, this is, you know all for all my griping about the switch because it's a underpowered nightmare um it's such a a nice tactile experience what a great little piece of hardware it is it's well designed it feels good in your hands you, you don't hate it after holding it there's a lot i really like about my switch yeah it's, it's wonderfully designed it just needs more power I know they put out Witcher three for it too. I can't imagine. Oh that god, it must great. look terrible. Yeah. Ugh. No, that, that. I can't think of a worse way to experience The Witcher three. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got those mobile speakers trying to do like the ah, blah, 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 when it's doing the song over and over again and you're oh my god, trying to understand bad, what, what what <laughs> gruff ass grumbly Geralt is yeah. saying through the mobile speakers <laughs> on a switch that sounds like hell yeah. passing through your fingertips as he's like mm, oh god yeah yeah oh, starts yeah. buzzing oh, sorry, yeah 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 Geralt, tell me again through your wax paper kazoo what you just tried to tell me. Oh, you know what? I did kind of get into Octopath Traveler for a little bit. Uh, okay. My pro- I ended up dropping it because as soon as you get out of the opening zone, the characters are just kind of homogenized in their storyline. Like, you know, th- like there was this really engaging story with the dancer character where she was like trying to get revenge. And I was like, yes, this is great. Like, oh, I'm, I'm eating it up. And then I my, you know, the scene flew over to someone in school. I'm like, well, well no, no. What, my dancer needs revenge. Their their family was murdered. I need to get in this. Like, no, nah, no, nah, you're in a school now. Unlock your next character. And then when they teamed up, my dancer stopped talking. She like she stopped talking about revenge. They just started talking about random crap. I I know nothing about Octopath Traveler, but your description of every what you just described is like textbook how to piss Kyle off in a game like <laughs> <laughs> unfocused. <laughs> Sounds exactly it, like what would turn you off a game. I'm, I, I believe, you know, Octopath Traveler, Oct, like eight, like you have eight different people that join the journey eventually, and they all kind of interweave like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like any Bioware game or any RPG um, uh, Pathfinder, any of those where, you know, you're like, I'm looking for my dad. And they're like, yeah, do you want to kill God? And they're like, well, yeah, I want to kill God. Of course I want to. Let's all go kill God together. Eventually we'll find your dad. Eventually we'll find your sister. Eventually we'll find your puppy. But yeah, we are all in agreement. We want to kill God. Let's do it. That's why I couldn't take a wild, wild myth. I I got nothing, man. I don't. Know I, I got I gotta look it up. We'll look it up. No, no, it was a Steam game. Um, I played a lot of it. I did play a lot of. Uh, I think it's called I don't know. Oh. Wild Wild Arms. That's what is what what in the sweet hell of uh, mobile game is that? Uh, actually, looks like Wild Arms is a PlayStation game, so I don't I don't know what open up my steam here yeah wilder myth it's called wilder myth uh wilder myth was a very very cute w- wilder time. myth it's what i said <laughs> oh wilder yeah i guess you could say I, wilder myth yeah i said wilder i only ever read it, it it's not I voice mean, maybe action, i so. could be wrong i don't know i artist subjective i don't want to i don't mean to be rude i couldn't stand how this game looked you sure. mentioned it and you're like oh i'm really enjoying it i went looked it up on steam and i'm like i hate everything about this i'm out. <laughs> <laughs> not, it, looks, not, not, not playing this. it looks that way because you can get like tentacle arms and your left leg can be replaced with like a raccoon and stuff like it, it, it's the way you unlock things is very visual. And like every time you get a piece of armor, there's armor on you. It's an indie game. And I, yeah, I think they've really, they a standard of art that worked for them. Yeah. I'm I'm, how, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to, cause it's like, it's a strong style and they execute on it. Well, I don't like it. Like, it's not for me. I'm I'm really not about this pop-up book thing that we can't get away from. It's the reason I'm not playing Cult of the Lamb. Like, I don't like how it looks. I don't like that pop-up book style. It really turns me off. That's fair. I didn't mind it here in this XCOM style game. Uh, I could not do Cult of the Lamb in the end because real-time Hades-like combat versus 2D pieces of paper was really disorienting. <laughs> Oh, I didn't I, realize it even had that. I thought it was more of a yeah, city builder. Sort of. Sort of. It's, so it's like a Zelda. It's like a fast-paced, dashy Zelda kind of game, which is what a lot of games became, whether that's like Hyper Light Drifter or Hades or any of those kind of games. And on the background, your roguelite activity and how you level up your character invest in your character is running your little town. Okay. Granted, you spend a lot of time like getting the vegetables and cleaning the poop and like getting the cultists all worked out. But a lot of people like that back and forth. I mean, it works for XCOM, right? Like I, I love the base management. Then you go on a mission. They're two very, very different games. Mm. Uh, my main complaint with Wilderman, uh, well, i Well, I'm thinking of brawlers like, like, like arcade beat em ups, like your Ninja Turtles or uh, back in the golden age of Xbox arcade castle crashers. Did you ever play that? Sure. Cause that's a 2d base game where, it never bothered me, but that's, it's different from like a Hades or a, uh, you know, where you have like full X, Y and diagonal movement. I agree. I digress. Sammy, you we'll, wrote we'll, in. We want to see? If, yeah. He's, he's yeah. yeah but question we, question. we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's move on. We're on. We're on, we're on the path. Let's do it. Uh, Sammy wants to know what the most surprising thing the, for, the final fantasy 14 community has done so far. What we think the most surprising thing is. Uh, there's a lot of like, uh, emotion tied to this exact answer. I think Uh, that's what, what Sam's asking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, just being so welcoming and supportive, um, you know, there, there are those who want you to be more optimized or would like to see maybe higher caliber play. And like that's, you know, that's any game you play publicly. Uh, but there has been so much patience and acceptance for, the level we are currently playing with, with the skills we currently play with as a streamer, someone coming from competitive game streaming, from here's the storm and even StarCraft, like that, that understanding of, well, oh, yeah, they'll get better with time. Just let them enjoy the game. Is something I've never seen, and certainly I never saw with like the Dark Souls streaming community. That that is brutal. You cannot mess up. Uh, do not play Dark Souls on stream unless you're playing with like. Uh, two bananas and a fish already. Like you just don't. You need to be able to stream yourself playing one-handed. You need to play with a DDR pad before you even think of like entertaining that crowd. They are brutal. They they will hate your learning curve. Uh, but as the one stream my gameplay, that one speaks out to me. In general, I can say like just the acceptance and welcomingness of the community was unparalleled to anything I've experienced in video gaming yeah same there's a lot of different things that enter my mind um i still think back to that first impromptu in-game meetup that we didn't plan i think we were we had just finished running the, the tonberry dungeon um which i always get mixed up there's two two dungeons that i always mix them up one's the tonberry and one's the just the creepy old temple um but we were you and i had we, we exited we had just finished the dungeon and we were just kind of idling talking with chat and like over the course of a couple minutes like freaking, i don't know like 60 people showed up and everyone was like showing off their their mounts and shit and this is all the way yeah back. when did we start streaming we didn't stream until after i finished around were born right uh we yeah we were doing we were doing a dungeon day we were i think it was even cameraless because we were just like you know let's just fire it up like we got the channel was going was it I can go check here. I, I can go check. Our, our first stream ever was camera less. Oh, that's right. Cause we just fired it up as a test. Yeah. We just wanted to see if I live stream worked on YouTube. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, you don't understand. Like if you only know us from final fantasy 14, when we would stream on Twitch for heroes of the storm, 40 people was a really good day. So when we we were working on youtube as our side project putting up just the videos for final fantasy 14 and everyone was like stream for the love of god stream your game <laughs> and we're like we will eventually we're just kind of working like and when we finally started streaming and like that many freaking people showed up also we we tried streaming on youtube for the first time like we were just like holy freaking shit why didn't we start doing this earlier um it's just a uh, it really was like flipping a switch like it, it, i've never like final fantasy 14 or not. Like just in our years of doing content, we've never experienced anything like this. Like the, 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 the ravenous, like hell yeah from everybody who was ready to, con- ready to watch the stream just by virtue of watching like the few final fantasy 14 videos we'd been putting out. So, um, that was surprising. The first impromptu in game meetup was surprising. Um, because I don't watch other final fantasy 14 streamers when we got to stormblood, and everyone greeted us at the gates of the first camp you go to in, uh, before you get to, like, uh, what's the hub zone in Alamigo called? Before you get there. Uh, uh, Rauker's Reach. Before you get to Rauker's oh, Reach. Oh, yeah. But the first, okay. like, forward base you go to when you first get to Stormblood. I now understand that that's what a lot of people do for a lot of streamers when they first go through the MSQ. But I didn't know that. And that, that like, I started getting misty-eyed. Like, that, that kind of that broke me a little bit. So there there's been moments along the way where I've been really surprised and very recently Shinryu extreme. I can't believe we had almost 800 people watching all night and, and people come and go and at the end you see like how many people stopped by but like concurrence which is everyone watching at the same time. We had almost 800 people watching basically all night and we were just wiping for five hours. That to me is probably the single biggest one because it's now with this understanding of like all like the meta nature of playing through Final Fantasy XIV because um there's a, there's a there's a this fear of getting to the end of the MSQ because everyone will inform you that views drop once you do but the fact that we had that many people watching us just do hard content that had jack all to do with the MSQ that blew my mind like that was cool as shit on top of the fact that I was also just loving every minute of us horribly dying to this giant dragon. So th- there's been the, the, the community has consistently surprised me in good ways. Uh, is my answer to that question. I found it by the way, it was, uh, our hard mode, a realm reborn dungeons and Mount meetup. Uh, I added the Mount meetup later on because it was completely unplanned. Yeah. And we hung out for like, I think like 45 minutes or something. I, I think that I was. mentioned this on stream, but I'll mention it here in podcast too. Uh, someone I have not seen or talked to since my bachelor's graduation from, from, from college 2009 is when I graduated college, uh, found me in game <laughs> during that came out, was like, Oh, Hey Garrett, YouTube suggested your video to to me and my, my partner. And I, I was like, Holy crap. How you been? <laughs> like hadn't talked to this person in years and YouTube suggested our video to them. Like that was another big surprising moment. So I'm show my door. My dogs are going nuts. I'll be right back. <laughs> Come on back here for y'all. I'm showing uh, that Mount Mina from so long ago where I got my chair. Oh my god. Like I liked my Elsin when I uh, when I made them. You know, I thought they were pretty stylish. But I was given this chair that day. And the sit in this chair is just so flavorful what's going on that's uh, I, I found the footage so I'm just showing us hanging out in our chairs here as the as it developed was it sin who gave me the chair too yeah I believe so I'm just showing some footage of the Mount Meetup here oh yeah yeah great for an audio show <laughs> but yeah it was it was that was that was a big moment that was like when I was like oh People actually watch our stuff. And it's real people, even though it's in a game, but it's like, you know, it's real people piloting those characters. And it was cool. It was very cool. Fun question, Sammy. Thank you for making me feel good about myself. <laughs> All right. Vernacular ham is going to bring us home here. Uh, Vernacular ham says having now put many hours into it. Do you consider final fantasy 14 an MMO with a good story or a final fantasy game slash JRPG with MMO mechanics attached? Well, those are my two choices, right? Uh, I mean, as vernacular hand puts it. Yeah, yeah. Um, MMO mechanics. I mean, I still I would go with MMO with good story because the final fantasy ness of the game isn't essential for your understanding or enjoyment. It can enrich it, as we talked about earlier, but it's not. It's not needed, Uh, but I would even add my own definition to it, which I talked about earlier, which is a co-op adventure, the co-op adventure game. And while you need to organize people and maybe a free company and that sort of thing to enjoy the depths of the co-op content available to you, particularly the minimi level where gear doesn't matter as much convinced me that this is a game you can play just for fun not even for gear and loot and drops you could just do it because it's a good time i don't i don't know I, I i don't think it's that simple i don't i don't think either of these perfectly encapsulate everything that final fantasy XIV is right sure and even the chat right now is kind of finding their own definition like the game because the game has crafting and dungeons and raids and story. And there are so many ways that people go about making final fantasy 14, their main game that I think a lot of these answers will be different for everyone in the community. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's because I don't know the MSQ looms large over the game. So in in that way, I, I would say maybe it's an RPG first and an MMO second, but I don't, feel as strongly about that again after doing my first extreme because it's like that's the most MMO ass MMO boss fight I've ever played it's cranked up to 11 there is hardcore MMO content in this game it's just not required to quote-unquote see credits like to beat the game right depending on your definition of beating but there's so much top tier classical MMO content to be engaged with in this game if you want it to like if you want to go seek that out. So that's kind of where like where I'm at. Like it's both and I think that's why it's so damn good. It's a really good RPG and it's a really good MMO. And you can kind of dive into either if you want. You you got to engage with the RPG if you want to get the end game and and have get to all the MMO stuff, right? Sure. Um but you can also just go play the RPG side of things, see the story, see credits be content at the end if that's what you want to do so there are trappings like i mean managing managing your armory chest as the available place to pull loot from for the auto recommend loot like it's not it's not going to play the game for you if you have no rpg experience at all but you only have to invest as much as you need to to get through the story if that's what you're here for. And then you unsubscribe and then you come back when the stories, you know, when, when the new episode's on, much like you do with Netflix or Disney Plus, any of those. Yeah. You, you find what you want, and then you leave. Yeah, it's 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 a huge game like any MMO is. Um, I, I would say it's still RPG first because, if you like I said, if you want to do the end game MMO stuff, you yeah, have to go through the story, which is a top-notch RPG. But splitting hairs. I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's a different thing to with so many people, and that's what's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you everybody for your questions. Keep them coming. Feedback at startgrindinggear.com dot com. And let's uh, bring us to the end of the show. So if you like what we're we're doing, and you want to support us, um, oh, I got I got dramatic music for today. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. some strings. Yeah. Some strings. Uh, if you like the show, you want to support us. Supportourbromance.com. Supportourbromance.com is where you go. It'll take you straight to our Patreon. And uh, we've got a lot of new patrons to thank this week, starting with w- Wyra E. Thank you, Wyra. Corey W. It's worth mentioning also, Wyra is our latest producer. Oh, sick. So thank you, Wyra. Well, thanks for joining Very us. Very generous of you. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to J-Mac Thanks for signing up, J-Mac I've lost my doc. Hang on. Uh, Kai. Thank you for joining Kai. <laughs> Julie B. Thanks for the support. Lee F. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Joe P. Thanks for the support. Third. Welcome. What happened to one and second? Jumping straight to third. Yeah. I like it. Well, all I know is I'm thankful for Timothy D. Sign up and become a um, patron. And I'm thankful for Gabe H. Thanks, Gabe. During the show, we got a new patron. Thank you, k Hope you're in chat, getting to hear your thank live during the show. But if not, thanks for the support. And there's a very special level of patrons that we thank each and every episode, and those are our legendary level backers. Sean B., Mike R., Zero Lambda, Stephen J., Ross A., and introducing brand new legendary level backer, Wyra E. Thank you, Wyra. And thank you to all of our patrons. Really appreciate it. It'll get you access to our members-only Discord channels. And, uh, you know, when we start doing ads, you won't hear them. You won't hear them. I'm on Twitter, at Garrett Art. Kyle's on Twitter, at Kyle Ferguson. You can follow our joint account for the show and for all grinding Gear-related news, at Garrett and Kyle. Other than that, go to youtube.com slash TV, follow the main channel, and on there is linked to our two new channels. We have full stream VODs and a new Clips channel. So... Go get it all at youtube.com slash amovetv. That's going to do it for this episode of the Grand Gear Podcast. Until next time, GG. Take care.